Nephew community, and welcome to the Hot Topics in Nephrology podcast. I'm Jeff Lockwood with the Nephew Medical Team, and I'm here with Mark Newman, nephrology writer and editor. Every month, Mark keeps us up to date on the latest hot topics in nephrology. And now, we are available on Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts, so be sure to like and subscribe to our podcast so you can stay up to date every month. I like to listen in the car, but that's just me personally. Uh, now, today... We're going to look at two items in the news impacting the kidney community, a new survey looking at diabetes testing and legislation aimed at improving kidney care. Uh, Mark, what can you tell us about this new study from the National Kidney Foundation? Okay, thanks, Jeff. Well, the NKF worked with the National Committee for Quality Assurance and published a study in the Mayo Clinic Proceedings showing that less than 40% of adults with diabetes receive the clinically recommended testing for chronic kidney disease, which includes a yearly GFR and urinary albumin creatinine ratio testing. So researchers conducted a retrospective study to sort of evaluate the validity of, of the kidney health evaluation for people with diabetes. So that's the core focus of this particular survey. So they used a national sampling from the Optimum Labs data warehouse. And this is the, includes medical, pharmacy, laboratory, and electronic health records data for more than 7 million U.S. adults with diabetes. So they're starting with a good source uh, to conduct this survey. So the fulfillment criteria for this uh, for this. Uh, um, uh, organization or, or a testing service called KED uh, in indicates that an individuals must test for both EGFR and urinary albumin creatinine ratio annually, according to the NKF and the National Committee for Quality Insurance. So that's the goal. So going back to the results we previously mentioned, only 32%, 32.2% of Medicare beneficiaries with diabetes receive those tests annually. Well, we've had high hopes for alternative health coverage plans, you know, including Medicare Advantage. And we do have patients on commercial health plans, which are now dipping into the value-based care waters. Did the patients fare better in those plans? That's a good question. And the answer is yes, but not by much. According to the findings from this paper, 38.7% of Medicare Advantage beneficiaries and 37.7% of commercial patients fulfilled the measures on a yearly basis. So in all three cases, less than 40% of patients uh, who are uh, diabetic, in essence, are tracking whether this is having an impact uh, on their kidneys. And, and explain why they feel that they believe that these um, screenings are important. Um, the lead author of the paper, Sylvia Ferra, who is a, uh, the senior director of patient outcomes research for the NKF, uh, and her colleagues, they wrote this in the paper. A screened population, which is the ideal, screened population should have greater awareness, be better educated and managed, and be better prepared for kidney failure should that occur. So the message is more information is better. And these patients who go through the screening, and have better awareness of the, the potential uh, harm that CKE can cause uh, is a better patient in the long run. And that's why they felt um, these tests should be done yearly. Yet the survey 
showed, of course, as I mentioned earlier, that less than 40% are getting this. So while debate continues on the return on investment of screenings in general, there's always a view that um, screenings can be expensive to do. And of course, the follow-up is the most important, meaning that if you identify patients in a screening that have CKD, what do those patients do about it? Do they, you know, do they go to their physician? Do they get more tests done? Um, and I think those are important questions. So I think there's still a debate about whether the return on the investment of screenings is helpful. These authors believe that detecting any level of CKD among patients with diabetes is a good idea. You know, it's interesting because I feel like we always go back to that prevention thing, you know, where you always want to try to find conditions so we can, you know, get ahead of them, help prevent other conditions or complications. Um, but do the authors suggest any other reasons why these tests aren't being done for a higher percentage of patients? Well, I, I agree with you, Jeff. In other words, um, the more we can know about um, what's coming up down the road. Um, and, and of course, we've talked quite a bit um, during these podcasts about the kidney care choices model, which focuses on nephrologists caring for patients in stage four and five CKD. Um, the government uh, funded program is limiting it to that, to those stages. But a lot of people feel that that's almost too late. We might be able to treat those patients and perhaps slow the progression. But what if you could identify these patients much earlier right. uh, and, and, and be more aggressive about their treatment? And in essence, this survey is another example of the problem, which is that even though those screenings may be available, only 40% are, are getting them done on an annual basis. So uh, it's not always necessary, the, the resource not being there. It can be sometimes the patient's not having access to it. And that's where we come to answer your question. So the study authors did say they observed some disparities in meeting these criteria among Black adults, those with Medicare, Medicaid, dual eligibility status, residents of low-income neighborhoods, and individuals with limited education. So even if the screening is available, the outreach is not very effective for these groups. And that's something that should be improved. Yeah, so we, we definitely have more work to be done here. And I think that's where we see this. Seems like it's the, a similar population of patients that we see this recurrently that we need to figure out a better solution for. Now, the second half of our podcast today will focus on new kidney care legislation introduced in August of this year. Uh, Mark, what is brewing out there? Yeah. So th th this is a this is an interesting story. We, you know, we talked a, a few podcasts ago about um, the introduction of the Immunosuppressive Drug Act, and that was that was like, became effective in January of this year, uh, where uh, patients can access um, transplant drugs that they need uh, via a Medicare premium. But for years, of course, for patients who are under sixty five. Um, the benefit ended after three years. So finally, patients have access to it. But the, the history of this legislation goes back almost 10 years. I mean, it's been introduced, reintroduced, you know, uh, modified, changed, uh, uh, updated, and it finally came through. Well, you've got a similar case here. So I'm talking a little bit here about the chronic kid kidney disease improvement 
in Research and Treatment Act, uh, which was introduced in May 2019. So for perspective here, we're recording. It is middle of September, 2023. So we're talking about a bill that was introduced in Congress four years ago. Well, why right. is that? Right, and that's not even the original bill, Jeff. The first version was introduced in 2014. And this 2019 version, which I'm going to talk a little about, was also introduced in 2021. So it gives you a sense of what happens to good intentions. I mean, think about some of these items that we'll talk about. And perhaps even think about the forward thinking that was in place uh, 10 years ago when this bill was first introduced. Now, some of these items have been modified or have been changed or dropped. But nonetheless, uh, you know, hats off to those in uh, the kidney care community who are advocates who try to get Congress to pay attention to what's needed. And the fact that 10 years ago, this bill was first introduced with a number of these elements. So I'll talk a bit about the 2019 version. Um, and then we'll kind of, you know, dovetail into the, the current one and see some of the changes. But um, uh, it's a good bill. It really has, it really targets things that we've been hearing about from different organizations like the Renal you know, Physicians Group and the NKF and, um, and you know, a variety of, of advocates. So the 2019 version was introduced by Senators Bill Cardin and Roy Blunt, uh, and it promised a few things. And these are some, some good things here. Increasing access to the Medicare kidney disease education benefit. So in other words, there are restrictions now as to who can, in essence, educate patients about things like home dialysis. So this bill would open it up further. This, the intent of the 2019 version of this bill was to open it up further. Uh, require the Comptroller General of the United States to conduct a study on the current use of palliative care services in treating patients with kidney disease. Also a good topic. Expand kidney care access underserved areas by adding nephrology health professionals to National Health Service Corps scholarship and loan programs. And the intent there is to get more nephrologists, um, to help nephrologists, in essence, um, pay off their medical school debt and give them access to patients uh, in underserved areas. So a lot of positives there. Um, it also improved coordination, care coordination for patients on dialysis by requiring hospitals to provide information to their dialysis providers, i.e. When, when the patients are discharged, um, that connection between the two could be improved. Maintain an economically stable dialysis infrastructure while incentivizing innovation for new drugs, uh, devices, and other technologies, and then guaranteeing access to Medigap policies to all ESRD beneficiaries regardless of age. So let's go to the days of future past here. What does this new 2023 version offer? Yeah, well, it's sort of like, uh, 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 who's the famous Mets um, uh, coach? Um, the name's on the tip of my tongue. But anyway, he's the guy that had all these great sayings. And one of them, of course, was, you know, it's deja vu all over again. And what we mean by that is this bill, of course, um, uh, this one in particular, the 2003 version uh, was introduced by U.S. House Reps Carol Miller from West Virginia and Terry Sewell from Alabama. Uh, and this was introduced, as we noted, for the fourth time. Uh, and same name, Chronic Kidney Disease Improvement and Research and Treatment Act. 
introduced in August. And this is what Miller said in a press release. Uh, West Virginia has the highest mortality rate of chronic kidney disease in the country. And I am working to change that. The Chronic Kidney Disease Improvement in Research and Treatment Act is exactly what my constituents need. This bill will provide the necessary resources and affordable access to treatment for patients suffering with CKD and communities across West Virginia and the country. So I believe you're referring to the great Yogi Berra. There you go. <laughs> was famous for his Yogi Bear-isms. Yeah. He you know, one of my favorites, not to digress too much, but he was once at a pizza place and he ordered a pizza and they asked him, Yogi, how many slices would you like? Eight or 12? And he said, eight. I don't think I can eat 12. <laughs> so. Yeah, same size um, pizza, of course. Right. It, it doesn't matter how many slices, <laughs> but it's funny. Yeah, and, and they're endearing. Uh, you, know, it, you know, these things have been around for such a long time. His, his, uh, his commentary has been with us for such a long time. Now, the Mets are not doing so good this year, so I don't know if he's got anything, any wise commentary about that, but nonetheless. I'm sure if you asked him, he, he would have something for you. Um, but what does this current version uh, offer, getting back to this bill? Yeah, so again, Chronic Kidney Disease Improvement in Research and Treatment Act uh, introduced in August. So here's what it's proposing. Uh, a couple of, you know, again, some really valuable, I think, uh, uh, ideas here and, and suggestions and programs. Increase the kidney disease prevention effort by adding CKD screening to the annual wellness benefit. Um, and that's important uh, because um, we want patients um, and again, going back to the top of our survey, the top of the uh, the uh, podcast, uh, we want anybody who, who wants that CK green, CKD green, uh, screen to get access to it and and make it free. I mean, I think that's important. Uh, expand the Medicare kidney disease education benefit to allow dialysis facilities, physicians, and others to provide kidney disease education services. So that is one, obviously, from the 2019 bill we just covered. Uh, requires CMS to provide a long-term payment pathway for new drugs and biologics, also covered in the 2019 bill. Address the workforce shortage in nephrology by ensuring that kidney care part providers receive accurate annual payment updates. This is kind of an interesting idea. So if you're a facility uh, dialysis provider and you um, uh, estimate, uh, or CMS in essence helps through the wage index, um, uh, uh, what's the word? Wage index a modifier estimates what it's going to cost you to run your facility next year, and of course that's what they base the bundled payment on. So if there's a workforce shortage and dialysis providers have much higher costs for staffing, and CMS underestimates that, this would in essence sort of become an add-on payment to the bundled payment rate that would in essence reward for providers because CMS miscalculated. So it's sort of like now all of a sudden um, you have, you, you're, you, you've got due diligence by CMS to determine or to make sure that when it determines its annual updates. And as you recall, we, the, the update for this year was 1.6% and, and nobody's been happy about that. 
So, you know, imagine that you're dealing with workforce issues and shortages um, and you have other expenses and you're getting a 1.6% increase. So this clause, in essence, would put CMS on the table and be responsible for underpaying uh, on that um, updated payment rate. So the other issues, of course, as, as was noted earlier, include nephrologists and non-physician practitioners in the National Health Service uh, Corporation Loan uh, Forgiveness Program. Again, uh, you know, in essence, provide what we're uh, suggesting for college students, that um, physicians who have high Medicare, uh, med uh, medical bill, uh, bills for paying off um, education, tuition bills, uh, become part of the loan forgiveness program. Um, expand patient choice and coverage by guaranteeing access to Medicare policies for Medicare beneficiaries. We covered that also in the first bill. Um, so those are th so that's kind of some very good um, things in there that, in essence, you know, uh, it's always interesting to watch the process because, as we know, um, there's two things that govern how dialysis um, gets paid for. One is the Congress. Congress passes the legislation, which, and this is, and then that gets um, turned over to, if it, if it gets passed and signed by the president, that gets then turned over to the regulatory folks, which is, you know, the Centers for uh, Medicare and Medicaid Services. So they write the rules and incorporate, in essence, what Congress wanted to do. So it'll be interesting to see how much of this can go through, because in essence, CMS will be writing the rules that says, Okay, we're now responsible for paying these providers more money if if we don't accurately determine uh, what their costs are. So uh, it's going to be very interesting to see uh, what happens next. Yeah, it certainly will. I know we've been wondering about the reimbursement, how it's going to play out. So we're still waiting to see how that's going to go. Um, now, I feel like there's quite a bit there that you just covered, but, you know, I like details. So... Are there more details? Yeah, so so the 2003 version, 2023 version, uh, would allow dialysis providers, physicians um, to educate patients. We mentioned that uh, for stage four and five about modality choices and other issues. It all calls for that add-on payment that we uh, mentioned as well. Um, and then um, the other thing that uh, we, we have to look out for is a study, because this bill calls for HHS, which is Health and Human Services, to conduct a study to determine if any disincentives in the payment systems under the Medicare program create barriers to kidney transplant and post-transplant care for beneficiaries with end-stage remittances. The study would also evaluate best practices for organ donation and determine if, quote, cultural and policy barriers exist to increase living donation rates. Uh, that report would be due to Congress 18 months after enactment of the legislation. And so that's still, you know, the enactment is the, is the key. You know, we've talked to also during our podcast about how bills like this move through Congress. And more often than not, it's difficult for something like this to get to the president's desk unless there is a much larger, um, uh, you know, Medicare bill out there um, that is being pushed through. So what happens is it's sort of like, a, you know, the Medicare bill becomes a feeder or becomes something that you can attach these smaller bills to. So if there's a if there's a um, measure about Medicare reform, if there's a if there's legislation about changing how physicians are paid and it requires, you know, 
considerable effort to get it through all the committees, then somebody can look at this bill and says, okay, that makes sense. And um, in essence, if you look at a lot of these elements, uh, there's really no major cost tied to that other than CMS doing its due diligence. But often, more often than not, Congress kind of shies away from a bill that says, we need to fund this with $3 billion from NIH or HHS or, or, or other sources. This bill really talks about reform more than anything else. So there's a good chance that if there is a Medicare bill out there that's being um, directed by Congress, this is the kind of bill that wouldn't be offensive. It wouldn't be uh, something that you couldn't attach, in fact, attach on because it's, uh, it's, it's patient friendly. Um, it's good for the system. It um, suggests that more people can provide education. Uh, it, it's, a, it's got a lot of positivities to it. Yeah, it's, it's rare that we see a bill where it seems like everybody kind of wins with this one. But, you know, we got a bill that started in 2014, reintroduced in 2019, and then 2021, and now again in 2023. So uh, let's hope the fourth time is, in fact, the charm. Uh, Mark, thank you so much for joining us. You know, we hit a couple of good topics today with the diabetes testing, the legislation update. We even slid on a couple, couple Yogi Bearisms, which I would say is a hot topics first, but hopefully not a last. <laughs> As I did mention, it is September, which means we had PKD Awareness Day uh, on the fourth of this month. Be sure to check out all of the new nephew content. We've got podcasts, webinars, all sorts of cool stuff that focuses on PKD and ADPKD. Um, thank you to all the NEPHEW community for joining us and listening in. Be sure to like and subscribe to the NEPHEW podcast. Again, you can find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. I hope you all enjoyed the conversation and be sure to join us next month. So Mark, keep us up to date with the latest hot topics in nephrology. Mm -hmm.